You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This Is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This Is Oklahoma. Mike and here, your host, back with another episode uh on the patio outside at jones assembly right now <laughs> whatever that noise was somebody driving around in a mustang or something but yeah we're out on the patio beautiful day beautiful fall day in oklahoma with very little wind uh, but my guest today is the one and only mr graham colton um appreciate your time mate really hey. uh, really looking forward to diving into glad it to today. be here we've already uh i think we already know we already know a little, little bit about each, each yeah. other's past so definitely anxious to dig in a little more and i think we know a lot of the same people too right <laughs> we know probably too much about a lot of the same yeah. people that's right um uh, but yeah like i said we're outside on the patio at jones um like i just said to you man it's weird being in this place when it's closed right when you you know it's eerie like you it said it is eerie it's, yeah you know used to be in here there's energy there's drinks flowing such a good time and then uh i mean my biggest thing is every time i come here i'm getting that bread with the pit cheese <laughs> and like, I'm just like pimento yeah like, it's so good um but you know obviously you know big news recently you come back uh, you're stepping back on stage which is huge news and there's a lot of happy people to hear that uh but before we dive into that stuff I mean, let's go all the way back. You know, you're, you're born and raised here. You played at Heritage Hall. Um, a lot of people might not know that you're QB, right? And you right. set some records or broke some records. Ask my mom. She's got all the <laughs> she's got all the stats. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I guess just go all the way back. What's it like growing up in Oklahoma City and kind of Heritage Hall area? Yeah, um, I mean, growing up here was 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 amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was. Um, had a really active, you know, supportive family. Yeah. Feel like it was, um, flew by. Uh, I, I, and I say that just because it, it was like perfect, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there was, I don't remember having any, anything other than just great experiences that are kind of, you know, middle of America. Right. Um, just like what you think it would be, yeah. um, for somebody, uh, you're from out of the country. So, mm-hmm. you know, just what you think sort of, I want to say small town USA. It's not small town USA, but it, but it right. felt like that. Yeah, yeah. And and I find myself even like with you know writing songs and and just inspiration in mm-hmm. in all areas that I kind of draw from. It it is from where I grew up and the people that I yeah. met and still find myself you know being close to. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, a big part of who I am is is absolutely this community, how it's grown. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that are still in my lives and of course my family. Yeah, yeah. So growing up then, um, I mean, athletics was quite a big draw for you and family and stuff like that? You know, it was. Um, I mean, had a pretty normal, felt like a norm, normal athletic kind of thing. You know, yeah. in Oklahoma, it, it's soccer was a big deal. Uh, didn't start playing football and um, until middle school and actually was pretty, not very good, pretty bad at it. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of had like a, a ragtag middle school team when I started playing football in 
for my my school team at Heritage Hall. I was I was not very good, wasn't big, wasn't fast. Wanted to play quarterback, but um, it just didn't didn't really click. I guess. Yeah. Um, even though I thought I was pretty good at it. Uh, and then you know, as 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 the big kids aren't as big when you grow up a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that happens in every mm-hmm. every sport. Um, you catch up to the guys that are bigger and stronger and faster, and yeah. all of a sudden you you know you kind of find your way. And but like everything in life, especially with me, uh, there was just a lot of um, a, a lot of happenstance kind of moments that mm-hmm. that put me at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Being a freshman in high school and right next to my best friend at that, you know, Wes Welker. Yeah. Uh, where we were both playing as freshmen mm-hmm. and getting our asses kicked. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it definitely um, kind of paved the way to for a pretty magical high school experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, if I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of Chargers listening to this that you guys were the, like that team was the first one to win a state championship. Right. It was the first team to really. Uh, with respect to the other great teams that yeah. we grew up watching, it was the first team that, that really did. Um, I want to choose my words carefully here <laughs> to all the big brothers that we, we grew up watching. Yeah, the first team that I feel like ever, um, y- you know, did did something that was was truly unexpected. Yeah, uh, and I don't mean just getting into the playoffs or, but it was you know here's this little private school. Right. You know that was that was nobody expected anything from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even think the coaches or the administration or the school itself expected anything from. You know, you just you maybe maybe could get to the playoffs, right. um, um, but there wasn't a culture, especially the way it is now at that school, that yeah. that was that was built on being successful and winning right. and now it's i mean you, you you know you mentioned heritage hall charges like it's a force to be reckoned with now, it's right? like a yeah it's like a nationally known yeah. program that culturally it's just an entirely different thing that kind of like the school my kids or i, I have one there now uh uh in third grade mm-hmm. and you feel it even even yeah, I'm right. not saying it was just because of the football team, but but there, you know, a lot of different things yeah. kind of happened around the same time that that propelled that school into into mm-hmm. kind of um, what it is today. Well, so. and it's not just through football, right? You see success in one area, and then that right. breeds the culture, so that goes through. I think through so. Cheerleading, soccer, tennis, golf, whatever so. it is, right? Yeah. And it's it's cool to kind of have that, you know, to look back and see like over history. You know, at the time you thought, wow, we just won something, but you never think of the impact, right? I think so time. too. And and the cool thing is, I'm sure we'll we'll bounce around about this, but the uh, the the guys that were on the team that won the first state yeah. championship. Um, I mean, it wasn't a coincidence that these guys are all super successful mm-hmm. uh, in their lives now. Yeah. Um, you know, doctors and uh, you know uh, military service and 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 people that are truly uh, truly talented and gifted yeah, yeah, individuals yeah. in their r- respective fields right. uh, after. After sports, yeah, and that's yeah. no coincidence. I mean, yeah. you know, you get you get those kinds of people uh, and good, you know, together, and good things are going to happen for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned Wes, like you know, when you look back, it's you and Wes, like you know, like he's a receiver, and you're you know throwing throwing the ball to him. He was everything, you know. by the way. He wasn't just a receiver. <laughs> he he was. I, I, feel, I feel like not a week goes by where I'm not just sort of talking about you yeah. know Wes and those stories because right. it it was. I mean, it's like a movie, you know, yeah. listening to you know even listening to other people talk about mm-hmm. their experiences watching him right um but we all knew it we knew we knew it yeah, we yeah. knew something beyond special mm-hmm. was happening 
yeah. not only with him, but just the team sort of, right. um, you know, f- feeding into that energy that, yeah. that, that he was building around us. It was pretty cool. So what you mentioned, though, it's really cool to like, you know, you see, you know, there's a lot of people out there that just have those high school memories. Right. And that was the best time of their lives. And they, yeah. they always tell you about it. But like you just mentioned, like everyone else went on to be successful. You know, there's so many other places where you yeah. went and doctors and military service and right. you and West, whatever it is. Like there's so many cool things there, you know, and like you mentioned, great success. Right. And it doesn't just go like. In, it wasn't just at that time like it's like okay this is the catalyst now let's go on and like kick ass in life as well yeah which is yeah. you know sometimes you know there's plenty of people out there who haven't done that right and you know fair enough whatever but yeah. like that's really cool to have you know to still be friends to have that community here and talk about that stuff yeah uh, I think there's a bike race going on around <laughs> town right now um, so so obviously high school you know you have a great time you're playing football um, I mean music came late to you right Later than some, so mu- music was always a part of the yeah a part of my my thing. It was always around the house. Okay, uh, my dad still plays in the same band that he played in in college. Yeah, I had word from a from a mutual friend of us that your dad is very very talented. He is. He's he's yeah. a very talented uh, person. Um, somebody I still draw a lot of inspiration from. Mm-hmm. So music was always a part of my life, whether I kind of knew it or not. Yeah. Uh, and I always say it with music, um, I understood it, mm-hmm. not from a, uh, not from a place of, of being like gifted or anything, but, right. but I just, I, I could hear music and I knew what was happening. I knew how songs and yeah, yeah. melodies and lyrics all went together. Um, but when I started playing guitar in middle school and then in high school, since sports kind of dominated mm-hmm. my time, music right. just became an outlet to just, you know, right. sort of sit in my bedroom and listen to music and, yeah. Uh, I remember when being maybe a freshman or sophomore in college, I'm in, in high school, sorry. And I would, I would hear these contemporary songs that would come on the radio and, or MTV at that time. And it was really then when I started to be like, okay, this is, this reminds me of the Beatles or Tom Petty, but it was contemporary. Um, so it made me feel like I could do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because up until then, I was just listening to my dad's band play all these classic, yeah. amazing songs. And there was never an instance of like, oh, I, I can do that. Right. Uh, like, I can write my own songs, tell my own stories. Yeah. Um, it was more so then, how do I just play the Beatles or Tom Petty or the okay. Beach Boys or something? And so it really clicked for me while I was in high school. Um, and... And it just kind of progressed from there. Yeah. At that time, though, when, when you're like, you know, music's like an outlet because you're playing sports so much in high school and then you're successful in athletics and, and football at high school. I mean, what is your like career at that career goal at, at that time? Right? Do you know where you're going to go to university and what you're going to do? Or you're just like, I oh, know, I think music might. Because I guess yeah. just listening to you talk, it sounds like music was like your outlet at that time. Yeah. Not like legit. This is a career path. I'm diving into this because you've had the success on the football field as well. You know, what's funny is uh, I remember my senior year I think it was either the second round or the quarterfinals of the playoffs and we were really really good my senior year we won it my junior year yeah senior year we were even better and we lost mm-hmm. uh you just one of those things you know yeah. sometimes it just doesn't yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. happen right and I remember on the bus ride home from that loss uh it was almost I don't even remember if we talked about it but Wes was Immediately, he had already gone into the next his next steps yeah. with with playing playing at the next level. I was I was immediately 
I think there was for a minute there kind of like, well, I, I may have like a responsibility or something to try to play at the next level. And I may think about that, but I can remember that bus ride home. And this is more of an Oklahoma, uh, thing too. So Brian, my partner here at the Jones Assembly's dad was my offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. in football. And I remember him telling me, he leaned over the seat and he said, what do you want to do? And kind of basically like, do you want to go play at the next level? You know, and this is, this is like an hour after we lost, you know, we were all crushed, you know, in tears. And I remember like trying to answer that question to him, somebody that that was not only like my coach, but a close family friend, um, asking me essentially, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Kind of right. What's the next step in the rest of your life? And I'm at that time, I'm, I'm gosh, I I think maybe I just turned 18 senior year of high school, but in my, in my, my head, I knew that music was the next thing. Yeah. Even though football may, I may have played, you know, maybe played, maybe could find a spot. I kind of think I knew right then and there on that bus ride home that music was it. Yeah. So even the, the latter half of my senior year of high school into the summer of my freshman year in college, I mean, it was music. Mm-hmm. That's when I started recording my own songs and, yeah. and you know, the internet was just happening, just beginning to like mm-hmm. be the thing that people were using. Yeah to listen to music, send music, trade music, and I was lucky enough to fall right into it. So from that moment then, I guess, uh, leading up to that moment, you hadn't really given music the kind of attention that it deserved to be a career, but from that moment you have that conversation, you're like, you know, and from then on it's like, like I'm definitely not going to be a football player, I'm getting music is everything now. Yeah. And I guess it probably came a shock to some people that you were like giving so much attention to music and not football. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, you know, like, I mean, when you're in high school, I mean, your time is, is, yeah. is school and sports or yeah. school and, you know, your girlfriend or, and for me, yeah, it was, it was, it was sports. Um, and it was like at that moment, I could just feel like the world opening up and giving me this opportunity to go yeah. chase a dream, um, as cheesy as that sounds. And that's what it was. I mean, yeah. I just knew. And what was funny is I took a, uh, I took a trip down to Trinity university in San Antonio, which mm-hmm. is like a little division three school. Yeah. And, um, the ironic thing is my girlfriend at the time, my ex-girlfriend at the time went to school there Yeah. and with no connection at all, the school asked me to come down and take a visit to play football there. And it was a division three, nice school. Um, and probably like on paper would have been just the perfect fit for me to go down there, play football, small school, not too serious, but definitely like would have been a really great experience, great education. I took the trip down there had the most miserable experience because I essentially kind of ran into my ex-girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and she doesn't know you're coming. She's like, what are you well, doing Well, it was kind of, you know, I, God, I'm even trying to remember how that all went down. Point being, I went down there and I think because of her, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't do it. Right. Uh, again, I felt this responsibility. I was like, well, this team wants me to play and I, I should do it, right? Like I should play football. And I remember the coach called me and said, okay, we've got everything. We don't do scholarships, but we've got everything yeah. kind of lined up for you to, for you to come here and play. And I said, I said, Hey, respectfully, I remember, I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. I'm, I remember I was in my bedroom yeah, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to go play music. And he just goes music. 
He just goes, well, we, we have a music program here. You can, you can play music here. And I said, no, no, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm actually going to go like, right write songs and, and be, and be a musician. And it was like the, the, the longest pregnant pause on the phone with this football coach trying to tell this kid from Oklahoma who wants to go play music. And he just goes, okay, okay, (laughs) well call me if you change your mind, you know, kind of like good luck, you know? And, uh, so I, but I just kind of knew, I mean, I, I, I knew that it was, it was, um, uh, I knew that if I, if I just had the opportunity to, to write songs and, and have people listen to them, I felt like I could go do some things. Yeah. Um, and at that time, you know, this is 2000, you know, the music business was, was like, it's kind of wide open. Right. You just, it was an exciting time. Like I said, with the internet and you were kind of one button click away from people hearing your songs. And, uh, and I knew that I knew I could do it. Yeah. So, so from that moment, then you, you kind of go into it, like I said, you're recording then, you know, the internet's kicking off, right? So you got SoundCloud, Spotify and all that. No, no, no. You had none of those things. None of those things. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm 31 and I don't remember that. So what was it You got to remember, this is pre-Facebook, pre-MySpace. This is pre, um, this is pre-iTunes. This is LimeWire. Okay. I remember LimeWire. You're in Napster, LimeWire. Okay. Um, so, you, so your goal at that time is to record and upload as much as possible. So I remember the moment when I had paid, I had paid a guy, I think a hundred bucks. I, I, yeah. I, I wrote some songs with, with a, a buddy of mine that went to another high school who played guitar with. We paid a guy 50 bucks to record our acoustic songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a few more and you know, we had six or seven, seven songs. Yeah. And I remember my brother Garrett my younger brother kind of knew how to take these songs and somehow get them into the computer yeah and and upload them you know no one at that time even knew what uploading was you right. know I mean we, this is still when you heard like the noise when you were logging on to AOL right yeah. so so uh, he somehow figured out how to upload these songs mm-hmm. and we uploaded them and by the time I got to uh, Dallas, my freshman year, yeah. these songs had had kind of taken on a life of their own and and, and circulated around the okay. country, world, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I had uploaded them, sorry, this is long-winded. I apologize. No, I'm, I'm kind of meandering. It's a podcast. We uh, time. Yeah, you can edit this out. <laughs> uh, you know, you don't know, when you upload them, you don't you don't know where they're going, who's listening right. to them. Um, but it, so it wasn't until the time when I got to my dorm room in college when I kind of made a little website yeah. just because I was playing gigs or wanted to play some gigs. Mm-hmm. And I think there was then like, oh, I can email this guy who has these songs that I heard on Napster or LimeWire. And I started getting emails. So at this time, so, so you, you mentioned going to Dallas. You decided where you want to go to university then for yeah. music specifically. Yeah. And I assume SMU. So I was good. I wanted to, I was going to go to Arizona state. Okay. Uh, just to go somewhere where no one else in my class was going to go. I wanted to do something on my own. Yeah. And, uh, a few weeks before I was, or a few months before I kind of you know, said these are the plans, a, a group of other friends of mine said, yeah. we're going to go to Arizona state too. And I pulled out. Really? So then Dallas became this spot where I, I just said, you know, it's, it's far enough away from home, cool music scene. Um, 
knew that they had some cool clubs down there that I could go play. And it was just, yeah, it was just sort of like right place, right time. Yeah. And made the trip down there. Do those guys know who went to Arizona State? Know why I don't you think I ever. Out? I don't think I ever told. It wasn't personal. Well, it, yeah, it was more. It was more just like they might be listening to this now and be like, "So that's why you didn't." Join no, us. it was just. I think it was more just like I, I just wanted a fresh start, yeah. you know, uh-huh. and, and it and I didn't want to just roll into you know yeah. Tempe, Arizona, with with a group of my Your high buddies. school friends, yeah. you know, because yeah. I I think I knew even then and there that like I would get I might get kind of caught up in right. in the same routine yeah, yeah so so you go to dallas you you get your website you start getting emails of people who are listening to your music yeah what's that first email that you get hey come play at my place yeah it, it was it was really more just like hey i go to so-and-so school in rhode island or yeah. upstate massachusetts and i heard your songs and uh do you ever play shows out here it was kind of it wasn't like i want to book travel? you it was, yeah. yeah it was just like when are we you going to come it was like, you. when are you going to come here yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and so it honestly it happened so fast mm-hmm. um and and even even uh brian bogert my partner here at the jones my lifelong best friend he he even sent an email out because he had already graduated at that time yeah. so um he was living in dallas at the time with some other friends of ours uh, and we all lived in the same apartment complex. And I guess that would have been my sophomore year. Sorry, I'm bouncing around. But uh, he, he was sending emails or, and physical letters out to me to different fraternity brothers and different yeah. fraternities across the country to help me get gigs. So it was just, it was a collection of, of people that were helping me spread the word. Right. Um, so I gigged around Dallas for, you know, a year and a half. Yeah. Um, Where was that first gig? Where? Yeah. The first gig was actually the summer before, like it was in the summertime before I actually um, started school officially. It was probably early August at the Gypsy Tea Room, which is a famous club uh, on Main Street in Dallas. Yeah. How are you feeling when when you walk up on stage and you're just like, hi, you know, Graham Colton, standing (laughs) there with your guitar, looking out at like a few people just like... Yeah. This is it. Like, Cuz that was the first me, yeah. real show, like right. a, like an actual yeah. not a gig but a show, right. a concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had this shitty acoustic guitar. I remember putting tape on my guitar where only I could see it that yeah. had the lyrics to my own songs cuz yeah. I was so nervous. Uh, on the top. On, on the, the top. top guitar, yeah, right yeah. on the top. You know, yeah. when you hold it, there's there's a there's a piece of tape right there. And I remember uh yeah, putting a little cheat sheet of songs, and I didn't have enough material. Yeah. I only had like five, six songs that I could play live. Yeah. Uh, but once I did it and got through it, I I, I learned a lot. Um, yeah. And I was opening for another another artist that ended up producing uh, a guy named Carrie Pierce, who ended up producing my first kind of official album. Yeah. And um, that started just like, you know, I mean, I was hooked. So from that moment, yeah. you're like, this is it. This like, is it. Yeah. This is it. I don't want to be doing anything else. Nothing else. Everything School I didn't do matter. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else mattered, but just... And it was a really cool time for... Like, if you were a dude with a guitar with yeah. songs that were that were sort of, you know, love rock songs, right? right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you, there was a place for you because right. all the songs that were kind of being traded around the internet were, yeah. were sort of this, like... 
you know, John Mayer was really happening at that point. Uh, Dave Matthews was was obviously still kind of one of the biggest acts around. Yeah. So there was this, there was this like, all the music that was being traded was kind of this college rock, mm-hmm. pop, yeah. acoustic thing. Good timing. And I was able to, even though I didn't totally sound like John Mayer or sound anything like Dave Matthews, we all kind of found ourselves. Yeah. And I say we all, because at that time there were a bunch of guys and bands just like me in different cities to kind of doing the same thing. So we all have kind of a similar story. Yeah. Uh, That was it. So I just fell into that right time. Um, And what's interesting is that was right around the time uh, 9-11 happened. Okay. So uh, my sophomore year remember I remember going to class I was a part-time student at that time so I'd already like diminished my (laughs) schedule you know to go play gigs in Austin and San Antonio and Waco and yeah uh, and 9-11 happened and a group of us got together and uh, kind of we wrote a song for an album called Bands for America Mm -hmm. and it was just this little record that you know some people heard and I I got, uh, you know, some attention from that, from that little album that was from this just insane time. Right. And, uh, uh, that was actually kind of a big, big moment. Yeah. It's interesting. Going from playing just regional stuff to then you're on that record and then it's like... Yeah, you know, then you're surrounded by, I mean, Jack Johnson was on that EP and, uh, uh, you know, some different, different people that, that were, you know, real artists, you know, and there I was, you know, on this, you know, even in this terrible time that was, that was just a crazy, insane, um, experience, um, even that kind of seemed to propel me into a different lane, um, so from that moment that like I said propels you into a different lane and then you're on the radar of yeah that's a good way to say it yeah. stuff, right? so then you're getting pulled in other directions hey come here come there yeah and then I guess it goes like I said to another level right you're, you're traveling wherever off that yeah, yeah. continuing to write your own stuff too and all that kind of thing yeah so what I what I had done is I remember when I whenever I started to feel like okay I, I think I think some things are actually happening you know yeah. I had formed the band um which at the time I was, I was, you know, just going by Graham Colton, but I had these band members that yeah. were, were these great musicians in Dallas, different age groups, different backgrounds. Uh, so we just kind of called ourselves the Graham Colton band. Yeah. Um, and we had just started to kind of, like I said, play more full band kind of gig. So no longer was right. I doing this acoustic thing. Um, you know, I had this great band and, uh, I, remember filling out manila envelopes Mm -hmm. to like all these different addresses of managers you know i was like who who manages these bands that are that are these big bands across the country and how do i like reach them yeah so i mailed out a bunch of envelopes you know with here's my cd here's who i am here's my biography this is what i'm looking to do and i got one response and it was this manager from virginia beach who was connected with the dave matthews band camp uh, he was also a promoter, so he was like, "Well, let me book you a kind of a tour because I book." He was like, "You know, I book I book concerts across the country, especially in the South and the East." So he booked us this tour, and we drove from Dallas uh, to Virginia. We played um, Washington D.C. We played some universities, yeah. And you talk about being it and hooked. I mean, you get on the road for the first time with right. your friends. You've, you have a trailer, you're in a van, 
you play a show. This is it. Like that was it. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, this sounds really cheesy, but it was just like, you just feel alive. You know, you're just, you're just, you're going to these new cities and you're playing your own music that these songs that you wrote for people to listen to them. And you're getting in the van and you're going into the ne- you're going to the next city. I mean, that's yeah. as as somebody who's yeah, uh, uh, nineteen years old. Yeah. That's it. So you'd kicked college at this point then. I I was kind of still. I think at that point, maybe I was still trying to make it work. Um, but I distinctly remember before we got that first tour with opening for Counting Crows, which was in two thousand two. Yeah. I had emailed my professors and said I'm going to have to send in my finals right. I'm gonna have to find a way to take my final exams yeah uh, and yeah all of it all of that is just a blur and but when we went on that first tour with Counting Crows um, again just another level of like oh my god I, th- I remember we started on that tour in Amherst Massachusetts I think it was Am or maybe it was Northampton or wh- wherever the University of Massachusetts is yeah. and you know Counting Crows Massive. was for me I mean one of my favorite bands yeah. ever yeah like that was the band that I listened to when I first got my driver's license like that's the CD I put in yeah so people, to, some people listening don't remember the, no, having to put CDs in their cars but everybody can relate to like the band they love yeah. when they first get in their car and they put that song on and you're just you are free yeah you know that was it and so when to get asked to go on tour with that band mm. and I remember showing up in Massachusetts we we drove our our van and yeah. our trailer and we we pull up and I remember we walked into the arena because we were playing this big arena and their sound the band is sound checking yeah. and you just are like how did we get here you know like it's like that almost famous kind of like yeah. how how it was bigger than life you know I mean you, you just you're like we're playing an arena tonight in Massachusetts yeah like how does that happen do you ever think about that Trinity Trinity College football coach (laughs) (laughs) that moment you're like you can no because I I mean you know stick your football but I think like the similarities to even like I'm gonna get real ethereal with you real quick the similarities of like when we won the state title my junior year and having this magical 15 and 0 season where you you go from obscurity to like best team in the state having this amazing cinematic experience same it was it was identical in that you know the music kind of journey Mm -hmm. is like you don't know it's happening you feel it but but you don't you don't you're just in it you're just in it and you're just like oh well this is this is just cool right and that's what makes it so great that's what that's what makes it so great and that's that's the thing that i find myself wanting to try to like the Jones was the same way. You're just yeah. in it. You're not, it's not mathematical. You're not, you, you just, right. does that make sense? No, it does because, and, and I've kind of, I haven't experienced it to that level, but I think just from like, I, my golf is my thing, right? So right. even for me, like talking about being in it, like you're, you know, you're just doing reps, right? You're in mm-hmm. it, you're practicing, you're doing your thing. Your head is down the whole time because you're just working at it yeah. until, you know, and there's little things along the yeah. way. There's little steps, right? Yeah. But until you hit that one significant moment, right? Like with football, you're like, we just won state championship yeah. or with that, you know, we're playing an arena, like all these little things add up. I mean, they're great moments, but then when you get to those big significant ones and then mm-hmm. you look back and think, wow, the last you know year or whatever, or 20, 10 years has flown because you just had your head down working. And then yeah. you get to that moment, you're like, 
we were at that level now. And you connect the dots and it yeah. makes sense of how you got there. Right. But like when you're, when you're in it, it's, you're either having so much fun or you're just, you're just like focused. I kind of said, you're just riding yeah. this wave and you're focused on, on the, you're just focused on like the task ahead or not the task. Cause that sounds, I mean, but you're in the process, right? You're, you're just, just yeah. And, and yeah. it was just, it was just, yeah, it was magical. It was yeah. just like, Oh my God, like mm -hmm. this is what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and, and when you lose that, when it starts to become mathematical yeah. and it starts to become a job and it starts to become economical is when things change. Right. Cause then you're, you're, you're missing things. You yeah. might be missing family. You're away for birthdays, all the rest of it. Like that process back to what you mentioned, you, you kind of don't, you don't think about it cause you don't have time to think about it. Yeah. And right? it's always that for me, it's always been that balance of like, knowing enough to get better and improve, but also unlearning. How do you get back to that place where you're just ignorant? You right. don't even know. You're just, yeah. you're just doing what you know how to do mm -hmm. and you're not overthinking it and you're just going with your gut. And yeah, yeah does that like, yeah. No, so I, I, it, I, no, I get it. Yeah, I get it. So right? that was what it felt like. Um, and you know, thereafter, that first arena show, we went from tour to tour to tour to tour. And at yeah. that time, you know, Oh two to Oh five, it was almost like the music business was so small that everybody was, I, I, well, I mean, it's just kind of like, we just thought that's the way it was. Yeah. We just, you're going to go from counting crows to Dave Matthews, to John Mayer, to Maroon five, to Jason Mraz, to, you know, all these different moments. Yeah. And, and you're going to go make a record with Brendan O'Brien who had just done Bruce Springsteen. And it's, it, it, yeah. you just think, you know, better than Ezra was a, was one, another one of my just most fame favorite bands ever, yeah. ever. And now you're writing songs with them and, you know, it, it just, yeah, you're just in it. And yeah. it's just, you know, at that time, like I'm 20, right. 20. You're still I'm, I'm a baby. baby. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a baby. Yeah. Um, and all the things in between, you know, you're on the road and it's late nights and you're partying and you're yeah. trying to maintain relationships with your bandmates. And yeah, it's real. I mean, it's a cliche of why bands break up and how they stay together. Right. And, um, I just say, I learned more about life in those yeah. moments than I could in any classroom. And, um, you're fortunate to go through that experience at such a young age because you grow up faster. Yeah. Right. Being yeah. away from home, traveling, man, you know, trying to manage mm -hmm. your, your, your mates and partying or whatever it is. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's an experience that you wouldn't trade, but like at the same time, there's time, there's so much, so many significant learning things. That was that, my college. I mean, that was college. Realized, but yeah. Yeah. That was college for me. Yeah. 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 That was, everything that I could have, because it's, it's again, it's new cities, it's new people that, that right. you've never met, you know, you roll into some city and you meet all kinds yeah, of different cool people. Yeah. Most of the time late at night. Yeah. But you just learn. I mean, you just like everything that could have happened to us out on the road in random cities happened to us. Yeah. And you, you learn. Well, what was your, I guess, favorite city and what was the worst city? <laughs> Favorite city, I think, was always Chicago. There was something about playing that big city mm -hmm. that just seemed like it was a melting pot of all these Midwestern kids. So everything was kind of bigger, yeah. a little bit bigger, and it felt cool to play a big city. Um, you know, the college towns were great, but Chicago was really fun. Yeah. I would say that the, the worst cities to play um, 
was, man, there were some days when we would go up and play Albany and Rochester, New York in like January, February, and you'd be loading in at, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon and it's dark and cold and you're not playing until 11 that night. And that's when you start to, you get homesick and you're just like, oh my God, there's 10 people here to play us, to, to, you know, to watch us. Uh, What are we doing? You know, back to what you mentioned, it becomes but a then, job at that yeah, point. Yeah, and then but yeah. then we'd go back and we'd open for somebody the next week at the nine thirty club in Washington D.C. and it'd yeah. be fifteen hundred people, and you're just like, oh, this is why we do it. You know, so it's just yeah. it's it was, man, it was a ride for sure. So when does it like you know you, you're doing this and like you said you have all these experiences and you know just riding that wave, you know you mentioned some great bands you're opening for right Maroon Five, Dave mm-hmm. Matthews, all, all that. Like when does it get to a point where you know, you're not the opening act anymore. Yeah. You're the guys that are like, hang on, you're just bumping yourself up the roster and then you are the act. Yeah, I mean, we, we had these pockets of, with these pockets and cities where we were the, we were a headliner. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, I think that if we made one mistake, I, I would say you know, from a, from a, uh, Oh, you know, from a business standpoint, yeah. it was we probably shouldn't have taken as many of those opening slots as cool as they were. Yeah. You know, the, the kind of the cardinal rule of a lot of the bands that have come up with me that are now, you know, massive bands, bands like Need to Breathe, you know, they really committed to headlining, whether there was 10 people in the audience yeah. or whether there was, you know, you know, a thousand. We we were lucky enough to be invited to go on tour with all these great artists and we couldn't pass it up. But I do think there was an element to, um, you know, our agent at the time who was Scott Clayton, who's, you know, Kings of Leon, Mm -hmm. you know, Zach Brown. Um, he would say, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta just headline. You have to like see what you're worth in these markets. And so to answer your question, I mean, you know, we did great in Birmingham, great in Chicago. We did really well, uh, in Washington, DC. Um, but just when we were, you know, about to do a tour that, that was ours to really see where we stood, you know, and really get out there and like stand on our own two feet, we would get invited to open up for someone else and we just couldn't resist. And I think that's when like, the Kelly Clarkson tour, you know, uh, was, you know, off and on, that was over a year yeah. of just that one tour. And how do you say no to that? Right. It's huge. Huge. Yeah. So, um, and you're still young at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that was, uh, that was Oh five. Yeah. So yeah. Early twenties. Yeah. So, but I guess, back to I mean everybody can look up your you know your your kind of career and your history and, uh, and music and stuff like that um, when did it come a point where you're just like man I want to go home oh man so I would say you know probably in the midst of those dog days of like like I said trying you know when, when we were going from headlining to opening and just really that first album that we made as the Graham Colton band, um, you know, we were touring before it came out. Yeah. You know, really from 2002, the record came out in 04, May of 04, but we were on the road. That first Counting Crows tour was in 02. So we really were like on the road two years before the record even came out. So Mm -hmm. by the time it came out, we did another year, um, three years straight. I mean, I'm talking like 
like Thanksgiving's broken down, you know, we left a trailer on the side of the road. Like yeah. we, we had a car crash into the motel room we were staying at next door to us. I mean, just crazy Seeing stuff that like yeah. we, we really, yeah, we saw it all. Uh, it, it just took its toll. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's funny is I, I've reconnected with some of the guys, um, that were my original band members in the Graham Colton band. Uh, most of which who were older than me. These yeah. guys were 10 years older than me. So here I was at 20, 21, yeah being the lead singer and essentially the band leader of, of a group of guys, all different walks of life, different, yeah. different backgrounds, uh, three of which were 10 years older than me. I just didn't have the wisdom. I didn't have, I didn't have the knowledge or the experience to know how to manage those relationships. Yeah. And I, I don't mean manage it from like I was above them. I mean like just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a stupid kid, you know? And, um, just from life, like you just haven't been on this planet for yeah, 10 more years, right? Yeah, I was, right? a, kid just life from a, I was a kid yeah. from a private school in Oklahoma City that, yeah. that wrote some songs, went to another private college, yeah. sheltered, you, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the cliches. Uh, and then all of a sudden yeah. we were opening for my, my idol, right. Counting Crows and Better Than Ezra, and opening for Dave Matthews yeah. Band. It was just stupid, stupid. Yeah. And so in the midst of that, when it got hard, right, we kind of talked about like you're riding the wave Moments. and it's easy. And then when the minute it got hard and there was like, yeah, real stuff. Yeah. Um, and the minute you start to think about it and you start to think, well, how's this album going to do? Are we on the radio? When do we get in a tour bus? Um, you know, we got signed to a huge record contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's money. All these things. Yeah it's real. I mean, that, that's, that's, you know, it's again, I think I mentioned before, like it's a, it's a cliche, but that's real stuff. And at 20 years old with a group of five guys, plus a tour manager, a crew guy, and we're all crammed in a van and we're living in motel rooms and you're partying and you're partying. That's when it changed. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I take a lot of, I have a lot of regret and I take a lot of responsibility in not knowing how to handle mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah. Uh, and so fortunately I've, I've, you know, I've, I've had some really great reconnecting talks with, with those guys and we're able to all look back on that experience and just kind of understand right. what it was. But I wish, you know, I, I wish I had the wisdom to be able to handle those situations better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right. Like, there, there's been, you know, a fortunate right to land on your feet and, and do other things. But yeah. like you said, there, there is something that eats away at you because of just lack of knowledge, you know, just growing up, being young. Like, it's not really much. I mean, yeah. I, I assume there's not really much you could have done. Well, other you're than on just a team, see, you, know? you know. It's just yeah. like anything else. You're on a team. Right. And everybody has their different role and everybody needs validated. Everybody needs yeah. support. Everybody needs to be understood and heard. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you, you, you throw these kids into this, this environment of new city every night, you're partying, it's late, there's money, um, all those silly things. You're just, you're not supposed to be able to handle those. Um, and I feel like I'm painting this really dark picture. It really wasn't. I just, I just mean, I, I really am putting the onus on myself. Like I just didn't know how to sustain and maintain those sure. relationships. Yeah. And I feel like now if I would have been placed in that position, you know, I just would have had more life experience to draw, right. draw on, you know, yeah. to, to understand. Yeah. Um, 
and be more supportive. And I think I was just scared. I was just afraid that, yeah, you know, coming from this sheltered like life, you know, you don't like, had you struggled with adversity getting to that point at all? Or was something just um, all the time and it just clicked so that, like you said, when you did get that first point of like, oh, things are hard now, like you, you didn't, because you, like I said, grew up the way you did, you didn't really know how to deal with it. To be honest, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, like, looking back, like, it, no, I didn't have any yeah. real adversity. Right. I, I mean, I, I did, but no, nothing that... Nothing that to like, that scale at that point. Nothing that was just, like, real, you know yeah. I mean? I mean, when right. I say adversity, I mean adversity like... Oh, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, my eighth grade year, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't make first string on the football team or or those kinds of things, you know, um, but I think that it kind of prepped you to deal with all the stuff that you just mentioned. But I mean, real, yeah, real life stuff, real relationships, real business, real, all those things crammed into a van. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's, it's, it was, it was hard Mm -hmm. and I, I do, I, I think almost every day about just I think everybody has those relationships in their life where they wish they would have said different things done different things and again I just kind of have boiled it down to I just wish I had the knowledge yeah that I have now uh, not that I have a lot of knowledge I just mean like no just I, being I have, wiser I have a lot, older yeah, just a little like wiser yeah. more awareness exactly to do that and then mm-hmm. who knows where you know you always think about where I could have gone right what could be or you know like what's that game show he's like yes well you could have won yeah. like you always and, think about that in the back and a of your lot mind. of it's just fear like I said yeah. I mean it, it was you know it's real because what you don't understand you know yeah oh the, you know this guy's be, you know this guy is like acting like this or 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 you just it's you don't understand it so yeah. you fear it and you're just like, well, this isn't right. This isn't right. You know, yeah. just, we got to, this isn't Go working. This isn't working, you know? Yeah. What can I control? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was tough times um, when it got, when it got kind of hard. Right. So at that point then, do you think I'm going to go back to Oklahoma City? And I mean, what does the band um, break up? Like what happens? Well, when we, when we got the Kelly Clarkson tour, we weren't really the same band. We yeah. had just essentially kind of like strung it together with some new members that were touring musicians. Um, and then uh, at that same time, the record company that I was signed to essentially imploded. Yeah. And I was absorbed into another record company. You know, kind of these stories you hear like <laughs> on Behind the Music is yeah. like, Record company, everybody got fired. I was absorbed into another, yeah. into another group with people that didn't sign me. It's it's kind of like an athlete. Yeah. I felt like an athlete that was given a scholarship, and then the coach gets fired. Yeah, and then you're with a new coach that didn't right. didn't give you the scholarship. Yeah, that's what it felt like. And so I found myself essentially a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Essentially, we we I think we were all tired. Um, Again, part of what I probably would have done differently, what I know I would have done differently now. But I was a solo artist. I was living in L.A. because the label didn't know what to do with me. Again, new guy, new A&R person. And for those that don't know what an A&R person is, it's essentially like your coach at the record company. Mm -hmm. And he didn't sign me. He just had to fulfill the end of the contract because I had another album that that they had to pay for. Yeah. So all he know what to, all he knew what to do or tell me what to do was go to LA and write a bunch of songs and come back to me when you've got a hit. Yeah. Well, you know, 
that couldn't yeah. be more different than don't how, bother me in the meantime yeah, couldn't right. be more different than how we started right uh because we started from just being a, a, a band that was again touring yeah. with our heroes we had these little songs yeah very organic every you know we were on the road then you know we come off this kelly clarkson tour playing all these arenas and i'm living in la at one of those extended stay apartment complexes yeah. with just a mat like a mattress and a, a table you know yeah. and every day i'm writing songs with these hit maker people all these people at the time that were like professional songwriters and some of it was really cool because i learned i learned more about songwriting and different types of songs and i learned to really love that process mm -hmm. but the majority of it was really lonely really dark and the the funny thing about it was is after about a year of doing that and crisscrossing the country working with all these different people i wrote this song called best days which was about living in the moment and, you know, just acknowledging how great right. it is and like, don't wait for tomorrow and yeah. all these great things. But I was literally just like, not in a good place, Yeah, not in a good place at all. And, uh, that kind of got the green light to make the second album where the label said, okay, that's, that's the song. Yeah. We'll let you finish recording it. Um, and I remember the day we finished the album uh, I flew from LA to Dallas to go to the OU Texas football game. And I met my wife, mm -hmm. my, my, who would be my wife. Yeah. Uh, funny thing is I was with Brian <laughs> on that trip. Everything, everything really good that's happened to me. Brian's yeah. been in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he's, he's, uh, he was with me and we were hanging out at this bar and, it was kind of like a big Oklahoma City reunion and it was like in the movies I saw her from across the room and yeah. that was it like who is that that was it yeah and so when we met I had moved back to Oklahoma City in that time the second album had just come out um, really interesting time mm -hmm. just being that it was the most commercial success I'd ever had you know there were all these big like television moments and radio yeah, moments yeah. and very commercial kind of like the optics of that album were huge you know right. I was I was thinking like okay here's the second wave you know this is it yeah um and I got dropped from the record company about a week after I played Letterman okay so yeah got <laughs> yeah pretty big deal got the letter got a yeah. letter in the mail yeah letter in the mail what like year was that 2007 okay so um you know kick in the gut yeah. Um, still had a lot of like, you know, I was in this great relationship. I was in love. I had moved back to Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. had these great moments. I, I wasn't, I really was, was pretty, pretty good. Like when I got dropped, I kind of knew it was coming. Just, just, you know, I was, yeah. I guess at that time kind of, I knew enough to know that like, eh, this probably isn't going to be a long-term relationship with Universal right, but Records. but you probably didn't expect it to be at a time where you're on a high too, right? Definitely not like having just played, yeah. you know, David Letterman uh, yeah. and a bunch of other shows but got the letter in the mail and kind of said okay like I'm going to be an independent songwriter or I'm going to be an independent artist again yeah um, and I would say that was kind of the beginning of of really where I am now of just sort of rediscovering like a balance of mm -hmm. I love songwriting I love Oklahoma City yeah uh, and got married and 
the rest is yeah. the rest is history. Did I guess. You, when you think I'm going to, you know, back to being independent, do you think? Hang on a second. The internet's, you know, like it is a different animal. You know, it's even grown again now, right? And like, you know, social media's popping, and yeah. and like I mentioned earlier, Spotify and all the other ones are popping off. Do you just think this is my avenue now? I'm going to go back to like writing and doing whatever, but it's released independently through streaming or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think at that time, you know, I feel like I've gotten to experience all the different technology, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call them, platforms yeah. that have you know, really taken music into like new things. Like yeah. when I first started, iTunes had just come out. Then there was MySpace. Then Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you know, then, uh, yeah, now Spotify. SoundCloud, I mean, Spotify. So now TikTok. When I was, yeah. Oh, oh and Kickstarter. Kickstarter yeah. was a huge one. So like my, my next record that I had released, um, uh, you know, that was a huge thing of just knowing that, okay, well, I could do a Kickstarter and yeah. I can take all of the support that I've got out there and maybe it won't be like a ton of people. Right. But this small group of people, I think they care about me and they'll support, you know, mm-hmm. they'll support me making an album and they did. Yeah. And so I think there was always like the next, the next thing. Yeah. Uh, but the Jones Assembly coming along was really like the thing that was out of the blue. Right. Because um, you mentioned like Brian's a friend of yours, right? He, Brian's doing his thing with the restaurant business yeah. and, and, you know, he's in that and doing good at it, you know, and these things popping off. Is, I mean, obviously, and then you move back to town, so you guys have seen each other a lot more. Yeah. Does he just come to you and say, hey, this is, I think, well, you both get together. And I mean, where does the idea for the Jones Assembly just kind of Well, we, we had been talking about a, a place of our own that was music related since we, we lived in the same city together yeah. in Dallas early. But, yeah. you know, timing had never worked out. Right. Obviously, I went on tour and he, he went off to, you know, do incredible things in the restaurant world. Um, just timing, you know, yeah. just, I had finally found myself in a place where I wasn't like building my life around playing shows across the country. Mm-hmm. I was kind of here and, yeah. um, had just had my, my first little one. And, uh, that's when it became a reality. And then, and then our business partner, Fred Hall, um, showed us this, this building. Yeah. And that's when it got real. We had looked at other places years previously. We looked at old churches. We looked at different like things around the city. Yeah. And for whatever reason, thankfully, we were just like, no, it just doesn't. This doesn't feel real. Yeah. But we walked into this place, and it immediately felt real. What day? What year was that when you walked in here? Oh man, I mean that would have been. Let's see, we opened in 2017, so that that probably realistically it was probably 2015. Okay. When we walked into this building spent about a year going over different like yeah. architectural renderings of like what could we do here yeah i think we went through four different versions of what the jones assembly could be right and the area really wasn't anything it was nothing nothing, right? nothing I mean, you're taking a huge risk we knew the hotel was coming yeah so that was like something that we kind of knew like okay yeah. it'll be us in the hotel and that's yeah um and so yeah i was immediately like had to feel like I, I immediately felt like I had to be an adult for the first time. You know, I remember like being in meetings. I have a child now. And yeah, I'm and start start way, and even just being in meetings and, and like yeah. there were these there were these like discussions, and yeah. these talks, like these adults in the room, and they were talking about things, and I was just like, I have no idea a what they're talking the about. Just just you know, just different like terminology that yeah, right. I mean, I had just come off you know, yeah, off and on ten years of just being with with a bunch of musician yeah. guys, you know, right. But I quickly kind of adapted and realized that I think I could be pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I mean, I just like, 
I think all that life experience and all the places that I've seen, the people that I've met, I, I really poured all of that into this place. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's like a thing about this place that hasn't been inspired or, you know, brought on by some experience right. from out there. And I know Brian feels the same way about his travels. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. There, it all, it all represents like a part of what we've you take the best of what you've through. seen around the world and bring in yeah. trying to put it into one spot yeah. right yeah you know and, and like you said it has everything you yeah. know it's a place to come hang out with lunch dinner whatever it's a place to go you know yeah. get loose place to watch game day yeah if you I could mean, if you could just put everything about Brian and me yeah in a place and like a concept it's yeah. this place you right. know that's why it's so personal that's why this place I hope that's why people feel like there's so much heart yeah. here yeah is because we really um it really is like our lives poured into like this, yeah. not only this building, but just this, this, this thing that is the Jones assembly. It's, it's, it's that yeah. deep. I mean, you've got Eddie doing bingo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, and, right. And, and, you know, and this place feels like it feels like, uh, it feels connected and important yeah. to the city. It's important to my family. It's mm -hmm. important to Brian's family. It's important to, all of our partners, families, it's bigger than just like a business endeavor, you know, yeah. uh, it's living and breathing and it changes and, mm -hmm. you know, you got to nurture it and, yeah. and that's what makes it fun. You know, some days I just feel like it's going to kill me. Uh, and it's like yeah. that. It's a relationship of feeling like I don't want to do this anymore because it's right. so hard. But then the very next day, you're like, I don't want to do anything else ever again, but this right. play, you know, it's, so it's, yeah. it's that kind of relationship. And I do think it, <laughs> I really don't mean to be very cheesy with all these metaphors, but I do feel like getting back to what we talked about, maybe if I hadn't have gone through that experience with like my band members and living in that really intense yeah. place, I wouldn't know how to exist here. And I'm sure I'll, I'll say the same thing 10 years from now when I look back on this, you know, but it's a very similar like yeah, yeah, thing yeah. of yeah. just that life experience really adds to it. Uh, so, I mean, from, from like, yeah, from those experiences, right? I mean, like you are, you know, I guess because you've come home and because you are now creating this and have created this building and this venue, I mean, and this kind of center now, it's just become its own thing, right? And everyone knows it now as the Jones and like everyone goes there. Everyone's coming to town. If they got friends coming to town, they're bringing them here or whatever it is. Like people, you are now on the radar of like, you know, more people, right? Because of, not just because of music, but because of like you now are part of the Jones assembly and people might only know you as the guy from the Jones, right? <laughs> you and Brian, right? So from that moment, do you kind of like, you, you know, are you getting pulled in all sorts of directions to be on boards, be a part? of the city and like get stay away from music but be a part of like downtown Oklahoma City at that time yeah I mean and that's been I think that's been the really coolest thing for me to because th there was there was a minute that you know 2012 13 14 like I was out of here I yeah. was I was like I mean I had told Betsy my wife like I think it's Nashville yeah. probably that's where we got to go. Yeah. Because that was, the, again, I, I talk about these next, mm -hmm. okay, well, if I can't go on the road, I, I'm going to, I can do this. I can yeah. be a songwriter. I'm pretty good at that. Like yeah. I can, so it was, it was Nashville. That was where we were going mm -hmm. um, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think the cool part about having this um, 
opportunity present itself yeah. is it has opened up this like just amazing relationship with not only my hometown but this new city mm-hmm. that's being built you know yeah like right in front of me and I feel a part of that I know we feel a part of that my family feels a part of that and that has absolutely been something that has um, just been like I never thought the Jones would mm-hmm. would like activate that yeah part of it but now that it has um, it does make you want to go do impactful things for your city right. with your city because there's there's so many cool people and talented people that are either moving back or moving to this city um, and it's it's really really inspiring and and I, I, I mean, I'm here to stay for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like now you have chips in the game, right? Like you're involved in it and yeah. you've had this impact. And like, like I said, you know, if you've made the impact and the effort to do it and you can see what it can be and you think, well, what collectively can we get together and do? And like you mentioned, there's people coming back. I mean, obviously Rachel came back and, you know, yep. to get to the business with Matt right. and they both came back right from LA and, and, you know, you know, many others that are doing the same thing and like making this place like, a hell of a place to live now. Yeah. And it does feed on its, I mean, everything feeds off of each other. Yeah. And I mean, we, we fed off different things. Uh, and I think that, I think people look at what we've done as something that was against the grain and, and there was probably not a lot of mathematics that would favor having a restaurant music venue. (laughs) All of which in the same room in Oklahoma city, like that, you know? Yeah. So I do think that's how, that's how cities are, are built and grow is, is, is people, people doing things and building things and implementing new ideas and challenging ideas. Um, and I think we've done that and I, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when you, when you're in those meetings, right. And you're like, I have no idea what these people are talking about. And you get to a point now where you're like, no, like I have a voice now here, right? And like people are coming to me to ask me what they think and people might be opening new restaurants or, right. or whatever it is. Like you are in the thick of it and I'm sure it's really cool to see. And, you know, like for mum and dad and family, like, I mean, they're probably super proud of you to, you know, not only as a musician, but for growing up like in this city and coming back and having a legit impact. Like that probably means more to them than you going on the road with whoever. I, I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, I hope I, I make people proud. I mean, it, it, it has... I do feel like that with this place is it's more than just a restaurant or a music venue or a place where people want to go have yeah. a drink. It does feel, it does feel really impactful yeah. and it feels like we're making a difference. And I know that that probably sounds cheesy, but why do it? I mean, why, right. Why would we want to do anything else? I mean, um, I think it's just a, an example of, of what can be. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really cool. As you look around, I mean, we're sitting here and I'm looking at the new Omni Hotel and the Scissor Tail Park and this side of downtown. None of this was here. Mm-hmm. And I do think that we had a little bit to do with oh, it. Oh, 100%. Right? And yeah, that's yeah. a cool feeling. And yeah. I don't think that's that. I don't mean to sound like, you know, cocky. But I do think like, yeah, yeah we all, all of us, everybody that's like doing all these cool things. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's... It, we all have contributed to, I think, making this place a great place to live and raise our families and, yeah. again, develop and maintain these relationships. Yeah. You mentioned, I mean, like I said, looking at, you know, Sizzletail Park and all that over there. Um, I mean, 
you know you mentioned it briefly like earlier you, you're on the same label as as, uh, as Kings of Leon and obviously they opened the park right right like was that an easy phone call to make say hey guys you <laughs> easy, mind, you easy phone call far, <laughs> far more challenging right, uh, to pull uh, that off. event to pull off yeah, yeah. but I, I missed again, that I once was, you once you do it yeah once you do it um, you do you just sort of look back and you're just like that was that event was significant yeah and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do (laughs) (laughs) but you do it and you're like oh okay like okay see we did that and now we can do the next thing and it all adds up into making this city great yeah to, you know, talking about that and bringing acts in, obviously you brought some great acts to you know the the venue and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for you, like who stands at the top to think? Hang on oh, a second, God. if we can get this really person, tough. you know, like I mean, and it might be able to, it might change. Yeah. You know, like it could change tomorrow. I could ask you the same question. You might yeah. say someone different, but top of your head right now, who stands out to be like, oh my gosh, I I had this person in my venue and like, you know, I think Willie Nelson for sure. Yeah, I mean Willie is, you know. Willie's Willie. Yeah. So having him here, places he's played, mm. uh, the impact that he has on the world, yeah. right? Uh, the, the fact just that he was on our stage and played a real show yeah. for us, and we booked him, and it was, you know, it wasn't because we just, like, wrote him this ridiculous check, because right. we did not. Yeah. You know, it was like, no, he, he we pitched it, he said yes, and yeah. he played a great show. And you know that that those kinds of moments for me, especially the music, the music moments, yeah, are 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 just as as gratifying as me being on stage with somebody else, you know. Right. Um, you know, I have my personal favorites like Spoon, one of my favorite bands ever. We just had Lord Huron, which was probably the most like beautiful set I've ever seen. Never yeah. thought we could ever have anything that significant on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my friends better than Ezra were the first show that was the first show we did along with the wallflowers, both of which I'm very close to those guys. Um, so having them in my place, our place was, was just, you know, I mean, that's really cool. Right. Really cool. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of different, you know, just different moments watching my kids run around, you know, Uh and have this place be like a, a a spot that they're going to be at hopefully in 10 years when they're graduating high school and driving. I mean, it, it, I think about those things right, now, no, you know, because right, yeah. when I first started this, I mean, they were, they were babies. Yeah. So even just little things they like grow that. up with it, don't and they? And now I get to play my own show. Yeah. Here, which is, which is uh, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that decision, right? Because there's a lot of people who, you know, friends of ours have wanted blame, you to do that for a long time. I blame two people. Yeah. Uh, one is Brian Bogert. The other is Matt Brown. Uh, and... I, I was, you know, when we first opened this place, there was a lot of people that you should play. And I was like, absolutely not. One, I'm not, I don't want to be that person. I'm not going to be the guy that opens his place and then performs. (laughs) Uh, Even though I couldn't book a band to save my life at the very beginning of this place. Could not do it. Just like, just couldn't get a band to say yes. I mean, I'm like throwing money at people. So there was like the thought of, oh God, like, am I going to have to play my own place? Um, and I just kind of thought, honestly, that that time in my life was done. I just was ready to turn the page and yeah. be a songwriter. And, you know, I was totally comfortable with that. I did not feel like I had anything left to offer yeah. performing. I didn't miss it. Haven't missed it. Mm-hmm. Don't need to be on stage. Don't need to be performing at all. 
Uh, but there's something about maybe it's COVID, maybe it's just that enough time has passed. You know, I made a record during COVID, which never would have happened if we weren't in a pandemic. Right. So I released that in 2020 and kind of found a little bit of, I don't know if it was like my real voice, new voice, but I felt like I had something to yeah. give, say. Well, uh, probably because you've been away for so long, you came back in your own terms too. Yeah. And it's just like, there was something that happened when I started writing songs and yeah. I was like, man, I, you know, three or four songs turned into five and then six. I was like, I think I have an album, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was a little bit of the catalyst. And then Brian was like, dude, it's time. It's time. You got to do it the night before Thanksgiving. And I was like, damn, that's like, in, in the, that's I was soon. Like, <laughs> that's I was like, okay, on. let's do it. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the really cool thing is at first I was just kind of like a little bit like, ugh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it, but it has since turned into a really, um, just a really, uh, um, inspiring, like, um, emotional process. Cause it's, I don't know, maybe it's cause I just turned 40 or something, but it, it, it's, it's been really fun looking back. Yeah. Not only at these old songs, but just looking back at the experiences and being able to to just, you know, time heals. Right. Right. And, and, and I've had so many people that have been with me on the road, in the studio, in my life. And I feel like all of them are a part of this Mm -hmm. and they will be a part of it. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think I will cry on stage. I mean, it's, I, I, like, I, I swear it's kind of like, I realize this is not me performing on the Grammys or, or but it, but it, no, it does a huge have deal. like a thing, you yeah, know, it does because have of like what a, you've done to this city and like done yeah. you, the impact that you and Brian have had. And then, you know, like it's, you're right. It's not just like, <laughs> you know, it, it, sounds, it is a huge yeah, deal. I feel like I've been super cheesy this whole time of this interview. I apologize for anyone that's listening, but I, I do. Yeah. I have, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's, I mean, like I said, by the time we're, you know, this goes out, it's, it's going to be what the, the night before Thanksgiving. Um, so basically in, in, you know, in, in six days, this is going to go out Thursday. Um, you know, it, I, it's to that point now. you like, I can't turn it down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm in this We've, now. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I, tickets I'm, are out of the wood. That's, that's out. Tickets are being sold. But I've reached out to, uh, you know, pretty much everybody that's ever played with me and yeah. I'm hopefully, uh, going to have them going to have them have a, a small part in this, you yeah. know, even if it's just from a distance. Yeah. Um, and you know, if there's, you know, 50 people here, um, we're going to have a blast. It'll yeah. be fun. Well, finishing up then, I mean, obviously like we'll, we'll put the link to the tickets in the description for this, but I've got, uh, I got two questions from Brian, um, because you spent so much time together. Uh-huh. Um, he said, ask him about his vest phase. <laughs> and he said to look to his that. song, you know, he calls your song best days, best days. Yes, that's right. Um, so yeah, so I, I have, I, and this probably should be a part of the show. I've, I've had some questionable fashion moments. Yeah. Not that this was one of them. He but said it lasted about a decade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, as I, as I started to, I don't know if it was like, maybe it was me like trying to clean up a little bit because yeah. I feel like the early part of my, uh, musician, uh, phase on tour band thing was just to be as like ragtag scruffy as possible. Yeah. So I think when I, when I started to, you know, I, I mentioned like when that song started to do things and be out there, I kind of had to like 
clean it up a little bit. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I didn't really know how to do that. And I ended up, um, just for whatever reason, just wearing this like vest. I don't know if I was just like trying to be Wayne Coyne, uh, but Wayne Coyne can pull it off way better than I could. Yeah. Um, and it, the vest, especially when I was playing all those late night talk shows, just became a little bit of a staple that is a little bit like a prom photo. You know, you look back and you're like, at the time, it's a great we, decision. We pretty, now. Pretty, we look pretty. We looked pretty good, but ugh, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> Uh, Maybe I'll break it out for the show. Hopefully, yeah, yeah you, uh, you've got to do something. Thank you, Brian. Like that. Thank you for that. The other thing he said, uh, <laughs> he said, he said, you might ask him about his favorite alcoholic beverage. He has the palate of a teenager. Yes, I do. So you talk about having a few drinks and then playing shows. Like, what is the drink of choice? Red Bull vodka, for sure. Really? Oh yeah. Why? Absolutely. Um, just because of those late nights in Rochester, yeah. thinking, oh, the, yeah. you know, like I've got yeah. to get myself through this. Well, yeah, for me, like. Yeah, I think that was absolutely it. It's just something that would, like, be would get me up, but also kind of level me to level me off to play uh, a show. Yeah, um, Brian is right. I I am a self admitted. Um, I, I have I have a very uh, uh, limited palate, and. Um, let's just say I don't really contribute a whole lot to the cocktail menu at the Jones Assembly. I leave that to Scott and Brian. Yeah, um, and we're better we're better off for it. Definitely. Uh, but you still can get vodka Red Bull. Sure, I can. I will have one on the twenty yeah. fourth or two. Have you Have you done the uh, the the kind of Oklahoma staple and shotgun one yet? Sure. Yeah. But me shotgunning or me saying I'm shotgunning that means I take about three sips <laughs> three sips and and, and yeah, can't get the rest. Red, yeah. Vodka Red Bulls like they do. <laughs> the chaos yeah, that's um, right May thanks so much man. this, this is, is awesome thank yeah, you yeah, thanks for sharing uh, you know this is uh, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that are going to bring back you know it's going to bring back some memories for them and and you know I'm sure it's going to be bring you know it's brought back some memories for you and uh, you know like on behalf of everyone here like I mean we love this venue thanks to you and Brian for, for pulling through and, and put, you know putting everything you have into this place uh, well, taking a risk to this district this to this area like you said it was you in the hotel um, you know and I mean I love coming here I love bringing friends here from out of town like it's a cool spot uh, thank you you know it's it's I got a standing joke with my friends like it's like it's a general I just sent a group text to my buddies and it just says pimento in like large caps right and they know exactly where we're going um, so thanks for that uh, excited to you know to hear the reports and I mean, I've got to come and see you, right? I, well, think, I, I, I think hope I have so. to. I hope so. Thank uh, you. If I can convince the wife to leave the house for a bit, otherwise I'm coming on my own. Thank um, you. But man, thanks so much. Uh, you know, it means a lot. And you've done a lot of cool stuff for the, for the city. And, and, you know, like, I think you've done a lot of cool stuff that people don't know about yet. And, you know, and they're going to know about it more and more. Um, and who knows, maybe in like 10 years, you look back and you have a few more albums and this has kicked off some other things. The one thing I've learned is like, I the stuff that I don't plan for is the cool stuff yeah so i'll see you in 10 20 years yeah for people listening how can they find you how can they like follow you on instagram you know listen to your music man well, i don't do website whatever. i don't really do social media anymore yeah. like you know when i say do it i don't really do it yeah right just because i kind of suck at it and sometimes it makes me sad but that yeah but but uh all my uh social media stuff where you can find like pertinent information is mm -hmm. just at graham colton my website is grahamcolton.com where as long as i know how to yeah upload things correctly and uh there there is there there will be news and um 
but just come see me at the Jones. That's yeah. where I am. Last thing, if you could play with one person on stage for the rest of your life, who would it be? Could be dead or alive. Man. Um, I'll say Tom Petty. All right. Tom Petty, yeah. Awesome. For everyone listening, uh, I'll post the links to Graham's social media and the tickets and get after it. Maybe they've sold out by the time I post this. Hopefully they haven't. <laughs> but you can bang down the doors and come on in here and uh, don't text Brian and ask for tickets because I think <laughs> yeah. everyone else has done that already. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahoma.com oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.